Hey there, fellow parent entrepreneurs. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to join us here on The Kenza Pod. My name is Tiffany Jones. I'm the co-founder and CEO of The Kenza Collective, where we empower and educate parents who are making the transition from working for the man to working for themselves. Our goal is to help you create a life where you have autonomy, freedom, and the power to dictate how you spend your days, all based on your family's unique needs. So if you're ready to hand in your notice and experience the freedom that comes from working for yourself, or if you've already done it and are in the trenches trying to manage all the pieces, you're in the right place. Be sure to check out kenzacollective.com for all kinds of resources specifically geared toward the busy working parent. And thanks again for being here. Now let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome to the Kenza Pod. Today we have the pleasure of talking to Shannon Weinstein all about how to prepare for your year end and um, making sure that we're keeping what we earn and avoiding expensive mistakes. And by the way, she's a CPA. I should mention that. She's not just a rando that we're pulling off the streets. Tell us about this. She is a real life CPA and we are going to pick her brain as much as we can. Um, beyond being a CPA, she is a business mentor and a coach. Her company is Financial Solutions and she provides tax and accounting services for small business owners. So she's pretty perfect for you out there in listener land. She also offers coaching services for new entrepreneurs. So um, we'll be sure to link her website and all the places you can find her in our show notes if you wanted to follow up and reach out after listening to the show. So we're going to be talking to her about how you can get prepared for your year end. Um, and this is important stuff. So be sure to take notes so that you can actually take action on what we're going to be talking about here. Um, and of course, we'll be providing a summary on our website. So if you're driving or wrangling children, it's all good. Don't worry about it. So welcome to the show, Shannon. Thanks for having me. And welcome, Beth. Beth is here joining us from her main home, her M-A-I-N-E home. <laughs> Which is also my main home. And I apologize, it's a little noisy here right now. So I'm going to keep my mic down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Beth recently moved, as you've been following the journey of the podcast, she uh, recently moved to Maine and splits her time between Maine and Denmark. Um, so we're always wondering, where in the world is Beth today? Okay, so before we dive into all of the amazing tips that Shannon's going to give us, how about you tell us just a little bit about you and your background and how you got to even be doing what you're doing. I, I read on your website that you lost a bet with your dad and that's how you became a CPA. And I maybe we could hear a little bit about that. Yeah, so like any kid and their parents, I was rebellious in the sense that uh, not that I was actually a little rebel. I was actually pretty much a goody two shoes that wanted good grades and like was, you know, the Leah Michelle from Glee. But <laughs> I, I actually lost a bet with him because I was super competitive and my dad knew that about me. And my dad was an accountant and he, he used to ask me since I was a little kid, like in kindergarten, he's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I just would say, I don't know, God knows what, astronaut, whatever. And he'd say, do you want to be an accountant? I'm like, no. <laughs> every boring dad no well that's boring <laughs> I want to be an accountant that's like what do you do all day you just have like binders and a bookshelf and a desk like what do you even do he would be in the basement working all day long and I'm like whatever you do it doesn't sound like it's fun because all you do is complain about it <laughs> so I grew up in that environment like my dad was an accountant like a, a, he was relatively stereotypical accountant he had a lot of personality though uh and he was a natural born salesman really really cool guy and he convinced me to take an accounting class in high school because they offered one. And he said, you're going to take this accounting class. And if you hate it, I will never ask you again to be an accountant. But if you love it, you need to go major in it. <laughs> Dang. And I was like 16. I was Damn, a junior. No and I was like, you're on. I'm going to hate this. Like, <laughs> I'm going to wait to hate this class. I can't Dad. wait to hate this class. <laughs> I'm going to fail out of it and I'm going to hate it. <laughs> Um, they bumped me to honors accounting after two weeks because I had over 100 average. Oh, no. <laughs> and I loved it. Did you it. tell your dad or did you like kind of keep I that on the deal? Was, <laughs> I was so ashamed because like, <laughs> the, the ego it took to, to put aside and to go to my father and say, I loved it. I want to do like I, I enjoy this. This is easy. I'm like, this is what you do all day. This is easy. 
And he's, he goes to me, he's, he like pulled me aside and he was like, Shan, if you think this is easy, you need to do this <laughs> because <laughs> if you think this is easy, this is a career, this is a, a profession, a discipline that no one else understands. And that if you're speaking this language and you get this, you're in a rare elite group, if you will. And he said, mm-hmm. it's kind of like when you, you have a superpower, you have to use it. And, and this is going to be your superpower because this is something that, that nobody else understands. This is a language people don't speak. And if you can speak it, you can help a lot of people. He really tapped into that because he knew that I loved uh, Spanish, actually. was my I really wanted to be a Spanish teacher or I wanted to study Spanish, which I speak Spanish. Cool. But the, the it was the calling of like the heart of a teacher. And he knew mm. I had that. And he said he tapped into that when he convinced me. He was like, you can teach this. You can teach this to people and you can mm. understand it. And, and there's always room to grow. He was just so excited that I liked it, that he just mm-hmm. sold it to me. Um, he was a great salesman. He was said, a great salesman. So. Uh, he <laughs> sold it to me. We ended up um, visiting schools together. He helped me even map out my entire uh, college coursework. Like he, he was very involved in helping me along the way and giving me advice. So I'm very grateful for that. But he, uh, you know, that was kind of the beginning of it, right? And that was kind of where it started, where I realized that with the heart of a teacher, I can approach this profession and not be the stereotypical accountant that you probably think of when, you know, if you close your eyes and picture an accountant, I'm going to guess it's an old white guy. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I'm just going to throw it out there. Your dad. Right? So <laughs> basically, but the, but there's more to it than that. There's, it's a profession. It's, 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 um, it's a career. But it's more than that. An account. I always say an accountant is not a personality type. Ooh. Yes, that is good. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is good because it is. You do get uh, stereotyped into that a lot. For sure. And I think Beth can probably relate a lot to that. She's always <laughs> yeah. like, "I'm not. I'm not Hi. what you think. <laughs> I'm yeah. Hi, I'm nice the fun accountant, cool. everybody." <laughs> Totally. It's it's really hard to get over those stereotypes sometimes, or they think yeah. you're boring, or they think that you're dry, or they think that you're condescending, or that like mm-hmm. they just they see you in a different light. But if, when you can approach something as a trusted advisor to a business owner, if you can show up as the guide for them, right, the Yoda mm-hmm. to their Luke, and say mm-hmm. when it comes to finances, and say, hey, I have tools that can help you, help you tap into your potential, and help empower you to be better then when they start seeing you in that light, they start to really appreciate what we do, but not when we just lecture, talk in one direction, and we talk down. I love that. So you, though, you didn't go straight into teaching accounting or coaching like you do now, right? Right. You went into an actual corporate career. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey, too? Yeah, actually, funny enough, my dad was bitter about that because he, (laughs) I passed... Well, I, I passed my CPA exam. I, I got an internship at a big four firm. And, uh, and and after I got, I got rejected by two of them. And then I got the third one that I applied for. And what was funny was after I got like the first two rejections, my dad was like, all right, cool. She's going to come work for me. Like, <laughs> I'm, he's like, I love her, but please like get another rejection. So you have to come work for me. And uh, it turned out that the third one I got and my dad was like, congrats. I said, why? And he said, well, I, th- I knew you'd be good, but not this good. <laughs> like, I was hoping you'd be good enough to come work for me. So I ended up going to work for a big four firm for about six and a half years. Uh, mm. I worked in auditing and then in consulting. I traveled around the country. Best time of my life to travel away my 20s. Um, mm-hmm. It was a lot of work, not going to lie. But but it was it was really fun because I got to see a lot of the country very young, you know, waking up at 4 a.m. and taking 6 a.m. flights uh, with with no, you know, uh, what do you call it? No, no responsibilities at home. So that was fun. And then I ended up leaving there to work for a software company as a director of technical sales and professional services for it was a software company for accounting firms. So I actually expanded my network of accounting firms. I oversaw 120 accounting firms across the country and traveled to go visit them. But I got to know their operations. And I got to see how they, like, okay, what does the front desk person do? How do they spend their day? What is the, what does the staff come in? Because I did workflow analysis of their whole process. So I actually digested that and was like, I could start my own practice. With, with everything I have, I'm like, what's working and what isn't? I got to actually observe, you know, a hundred different accounting firms and how they operate with different sizes, different types of people, 
Uh, so that was insanely valuable, but I didn't even realize how valuable it was until I left. Um, I went to a, an internal audit job, so I worked in corporate as well. So I've kind of done like the whole runaround of public, private. And after working in corporate for a while and in, in internal audit, I realized, okay, I've got enough like in my head around processes. I got to just make the jump and go start and get experience and start go and go and start my practice. And I did that in early 2019 started the transition. I love that story because I think it, a lot of our list, I know that a lot of our listeners can relate to that, you know, and it's really valuable to have spent time in these types of jobs. I mean, there's, there's kind of two different pat general patents, super generalizing right now, but like some people just go straight out of college right into freelancing. And that's great. You know, that's just, that's their path. But some people go into a career first and realize, eh, okay, I'm good. I'm ready to kind of try something new, take my schedule in my own hands and do things myself. And the experience that you've had up until there is incredibly valuable, not just the experience, but the network that you've built up um, and that you now get to tap into. So, you know, if you're out there listening and you're thinking about kind of taking this leap and transitioning out of your career, just know that, you know, what you've done up until now is going to be incredibly valuable to you as you move into this next phase of your career and not to discount that or, or beat yourself up for not doing it sooner or anything like that. So cool story. I love it. Um, so is there anything else you want to share about that story before we start getting into some of our tips or anything that you think might be beneficial for our listeners to hear? I would say just that if you're transitioning out of a corporate job and you want to go into freelancing or into your own business, one of the things that I always say is it shouldn't be a leap. It should be a very methodical walk across the river using stones that are in front of you. So I'm very risk averse. I'm like, I'm not going to jump. It's not this big cliff jump because then that's just, here's the thing. I created my business when it didn't pay my mortgage because that meant I could take care of it without pressure, without feeling like I had to do something, without operating from a place of scarcity. So this was something that was making extra money. So the stakes were lower. And when the stakes were lower, believe it or not, you're going to think that higher stakes means, oh, you got to hustle. You got to do this. I'm naturally a hustler. So the stakes were low. I could just be intentional about what I was doing and not act out of emotion. I could say, I am going to do that, but I'm going to wait six months because I don't have time right now. And I could just reprioritize and then make, make the transition slower so that by the time I really felt like I had to quit the full time, I already had a viable business proof of concept done. So mm -hmm. I knew that I could make the leap, but without it being such a drastic drop. So totally. the, the leap, it's kind of like you're on this cliff and like you're slowly building up another cliff and then the leap mm. just becomes this and it's not a big deal. But if you just jump, that. it can be a little bit more daunting. And what I get scared of is seeing entrepreneurs who do that and then don't have a, uh, a cushion, don't have something to fall back on. And because of that, they end up operating from that place of scarcity, that desperation, the I'll take any client that comes to me. Mm -hmm. But the beauty of it was, and this is now my business model, is I could take 10, 15 clients and that's all I could handle, but I got to hand pick those. Yes. I got to hand pick my clients I work with because I could afford to be selective because I only had so much time. So if it didn't align with me, I wasn't desperate for the money. So I made sure it was a good client fit first and foremost. And then I started creating a culture around expecting certain things of clients. So that has been huge in terms of my business growth. I love that. And I think that's that's such a big part of the reprogramming of moving from corporate to working for yourself is that, you know, when you're in a job, a corporate job or any other kind of where you're working for somewhere, someone else, you don't typically get to choose who you work with or who you work for, what clients you're having to interact with. And that, you know, the saying people quit people, not companies, you know, it's like when you have to work for a client that someone else chose for you that you just can't stand on a personal level, you kind of just have to suck it up and do it sometimes. And when you work for yourself, unless you are in that scarcity mindset and you are desperate to get a client, you don't have to do that anymore. And for those of us who have, you know, a lot of responsibilities or even like I have a three-year-old, like I don't want my precious, precious energy, but little I have of it taken <laughs> up by toxic people and toxic clients. And so that is such a great point that I love to bring up to people. It's like you get to choose now, you know, do it right. And you get to choose who you have in your life, um, business or otherwise. So thank you for bringing that up. 
If you're looking for a community of like-minded parents who know that there is a better way to integrate career and family, I invite you to join our free Slack workspace. Now listen, I know that none of us have time to keep up with yet another platform, or YAP as some people may say, and the good news is that our Slack just isn't like that. It's organized into very specific topics and it should serve as a resource for you to get real-time feedback and answers to your specific questions. We also have a jobs channel where you can keep an eye out for great freelancing and consulting gigs that we come across or that we're specifically hiring for here at Kenza. To join us, head to kenzacollective.com slack. It's free and it's easy. I hope to see you in there. All right, so let's get into this. Um, we're talking about year end. I guess the one of the biggest questions to maybe start with is, when other other than the answer of all year round, when should people really start to, you know, hunker down and start to set aside some chunks of time in their life to be closing out their finances for the year? What's that? What do you usually say for that? So for the year. So here's the thing. If you're doing it year round, it's not that daunting. But if right. you're doing, if you're waiting till the end of the year, you're doing yourself a disservice for two reasons. One, you're going to waste a lot of time in January in hibernation doing that, um, or hiring someone very expensively to do that for you. And the other reason is, um, it just in your time, your money being expended, but also you're robbing yourself of data that you could have had during the year to make crucial decisions. So if mm. you could have pinpointed a pattern after April, May, June, that was bleeding out some money that you needed, but you don't realize it until the following January, how valuable is that information? So these numbers are really designed to give you information to make decisions as a business owner. This is not a check the box task. This is something where it's like, let's say you're on a fitness journey or, or uh, you wanna lose weight, right? If you're not tracking your food, and then at the end of the year, you go back and fill out your food diary for 300 days, how, <laughs> that's literally what you're doing. That is such a good analogy. So, so here's the thing, like how do you expect your trainer to know what to tweak? How do you expect you to know, like if you're not tracking your macros or tracking your calories or even tracking your weight, how do you know if you're losing or what, all you do is you kind of see how do my jeans fit today is your only <laughs> measurement and think of that as like your cash balance, right? It's like all you can do is look at your bank account and go, I feel healthy today because you have money in the bank account, but it may not be there tomorrow because bills come due. So mm -hmm. maybe you have a birthday party, <laughs> you know? So now it, it really is just like your, you know, your, your fitness or your health or your weight, whatever you want to call it, right? It's very similar. So if you're going to wait until year end to catch up, it, it really does everyone a disservice. And also for, for the record, if you were to hire me and say, Shannon, can you do my books for year end? And you call me like week, the first week of January and say, I need you to do all of 2021. I'm going to say, yeah, but I'm going to charge you for every month as though I had done it all year round. I could do it during the year for you or I could do it after the year end. It shouldn't cost you any more or any less in theory, except for the fact that now you're going to ask me to do it while I'm in the middle of tax season. So now I need to arguably make the space for you and make it worth my while. So now I'm going to charge you more. So yeah. you're not going to save any money. You're just going to, or, or any time, except for the fact that you're just going to procrastinate it all year and then mm -hmm. have to crash diet <laughs> with me um, <laughs> at the end. And, and that's the thing. But it's mostly around the data. It's not even about the, the rush at the end of the year. You, you really want to have that data year round to be able to fuel your decisions. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so let's say, you know, we have been doing that, you know, to a degree, maybe it's not perfect, but mm -hmm. you know, maybe someone started a freelance uh, gig and, and they're kind of been freelancing consulting throughout the year and they've been doing a pretty good job. What, what should they be starting to look at as we come to a close in this year? So uh, a couple of things. One is, are you profitable? You should know that. You should know how profitable you are. Uh, you can actually take your total profit, which by the way, like let's go over a couple terms real quick for those who don't know. Revenue is how much money you're bringing in. Top level sales that hit your bank account, right? Expenses come out and then you have your profit. Profit is after expenses. So if anyone is exploring freelancing for the first time and they're self-employed, maybe they're getting 1099s or maybe they're not. 
but they should be tracking all of their income and expenses regardless. And at the end of the year, that profit that you earn is gonna be taxed. If you are a sole proprietor, single member LLC, that is gonna go on what's called a Schedule C, C as in Charlie, and you're going to be paying income tax and self-employment tax on those earnings. So you have to be ready for what's going to come. If you haven't set aside money for taxes yet, start right now, because you're going to have to either pay an installment of estimated taxes, or you may have to wait until April and pay then. You might get a little bit of an underpayment penalty. If you wait until April, it's very small, but if you can chip in towards your tax bill during the year, that's ideal. So you wanna make sure that you've covered enough of your taxes to feel like you're not gonna get that penalty in April. Okay, so it sounds like people need to be looking at basically how their business did. Where Have you been profitable this year? And then maybe we could dig into that a little bit. And then you also need to be making sure that you've set aside money for, for the tax payment that is gonna be coming if you haven't been doing estimated taxes or kind of some first steps. Correct, yeah, because we've been spoiled as a culture with our W-2 full-time employment jobs where they did it for us. They took the taxes out mm -hmm. for us and we only saw the net. And because of that, psychologically, we've never felt like we had any responsibility that that just happened automatically. But that's not the case anymore when you're freelancing. Yeah. So you need to have the discipline and the control to know that, hey, this hasn't gone through the tax system yet. You know, I, I, I actually compare it to the toll booths, you know, in the, uh, on the highway. Some of the toll booths actually have a real live person to take your money as you go through. And some of them have scanners that like add to your tab and you get a statement at the end of the month you're now going through the scanner lane, not the people lane. So instead of paying as you're driving through the whole course of the year, you're now gonna get a, hey, you drove through 20,000 times this year, we need our money now. And then everyone acts surprised when they're like, what do you mean? I thought it was being taken out. It's like, no, we never took any money out. Here's your statement, you owe us because you drove through our tolls 20,000 times. And every entrepreneur I work with is shocked their first year because they didn't anticipate that they would have to do that. And that's the probably the most expensive mistake I see is not being prepared, especially in year one, for what that means for your taxes and why it's different. So let's say someone's listening to this, it's getting close, you know, maybe Q4 here in 2021, and they're going, oh my God, I haven't, I haven't paid any estimated taxes. I haven't, I don't really know what that is. And am I, am I going to go to jail? Like what's, am I going to get a big penalty? Like what's going to happen? Can we help to just alleviate some of the scaries that people might be feeling hearing yeah. this right now? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> probably the second most common question I get asked is, will I go to jail? <laughs> oh no, really? And, yeah. Oh. And, and uh, it's oh. really, it, I think it's funny. I know it's not funny. People are actually afraid of this, but so here's the thing. You're not going to go to jail. I, I, you're not going to go to jail. The only way you would go to jail is if you knowingly committed tax fraud, got letters about it, ignored them, and then like drove by the IRS with the middle finger. I, I don't know. Like the only way. <laughs> the That's only the real nail in the coffin. If you actively try to go to jail, you'll go to jail. Like if you resist, if you don't cooperate, you could go to jail. Now, and if it's enough money to warrant them feeding and clothing you in jail, that's the other thing. Like if it's $2,000, it's like, okay, we're just going to start taking, we're just going to start, um, uh, what's it called? Garnishing, garnishing. your paycheck. Yeah. They're going to start garnishing and they have their solutions. They have payment plans. They have offers in compromise. They have ways because they want to work with you because they want to get the money. They don't care about sending you to jail. That costs them money. <laughs> they, they want... <laughs> to they don't want to send you to get free food and housing they they want you to pay as much as you can and they want to collect that money now if if you don't cooperate yes you're probably going to pay more in penalties but that's what, where they go first they don't they don't send you to jail so no one has to worry about like clicking that button on TurboTax and saying you know a, a prayer uh that they're not going to go to jail <laughs> don't worry about that especially if you have a good accountant that's why we're here but yeah definitely uh no, there's no reason to be afraid of going to jail. And actually my favorite, one of my favorite Instagram posts that I put up, and I gotta put this up again, it was a fake text message that said, hey Shannon, hey, am I gonna go to jail? <laughs> and, and then I say, why would you go to jail? And they say, I don't know. And I posted that. And the funny part was I, roughly, I think 18 or 19 people DM'd me and they were like, was that based on me? 
(laughs) (laughs) And that's why it was funny. Because what I was doing was shining a light on the fact that like 20 of you have all said this to me. And when I put it out there, I really, it became clear that like, no, legit, 20 of you have all asked me this question. You're not alone. You're not alone. But the answer is no, you're not, especially if you don't know why. If you don't know you committed a crime, why are you scared of going to jail? (laughs) So... Also to that point, um, you know, the phone calls and we and all of us who, who work with the IRS say repeatedly, when someone calls you and they say, you're about to be arrested unless you pay me over the phone right now, that is not the IRS. No, they won't call <laughs> so, you. They won't even pick up the phone when I call them. They won't call you. They're notorious for their long call waiting lines for even the practitioners who are supposed to get priority assistance. So... Uh, the IRS is not calling you. They're not calling your grandma. They're not calling your mom. Um, the IRS will not pick up the phone and call you. They're still using fax machines for crying out loud, guys. Like, they're not going to call you. They're, they really won't. Fax machine? What's that? I know, right? They make us fax documents over to them. And then, you know, this is why if you're waiting for your tax refund still when you hear this podcast, like, you're not alone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started on that one. Exactly. All right, Beth, I want to give you an opportunity to jump in here. Oh, gosh, I'm, I'm just enjoying this conversation so much because, you know, I, I recognize a lot of the same themes. And uh, yes. and, and I, too, have, have been asked to, you know, build somebody's financials in a week and all that. Kind of, I, I call it rebuilding Rome in a day. You know, it's like, yeah. really? Yeah. This better be paying really well. And from the looks of things, you can't afford this. Um, so, uh, to Tiffany's point though, let's say somebody right now is like, Oh, I just became a freelancer this year. Can they, can they print out, um, the estimated tax form and like send in 500 bucks or something with their social security on the form? And will that help them be in less trouble when it comes to, uh, tax time? Yeah. And I'll assume that the average person listening to this is a freelancer who knows enough about how to use the internet to just go do it at irs.gov. Probably be a lot easier. Um, yeah. irs.gov slash payments, you can go make an ACH bank payment online directly. And the beauty of it is you get that confirmation of receipt. So I like that because then you can save that and send it to me or send your accountant and say, hey, I just made my estimated payment instead of waiting for the check to clear and you know, never mail cash, but like wait for the check to clear and then <laughs> And then you find out, oh, okay, it cleared. It, it just takes too long. I like that instant instant confirmation that, yes, I paid it, and then it's out of sight, out of mind. So mm-hmm. I do irs.gov slash payments or go to your state agency. If it's state taxes, make sure you're doing federal and state and make sure that your um, the payment is successful online. You can also pay with a credit card, but I don't usually advise that because the fees are insane. And especially if you're already in credit card debt, it can just add to the problem. So. If you can, just pay out of pocket what you can, even if it's not what is recommended. Um, It's always better. If you feel like a tax bill is overwhelming, it is always better to pay what you comfortably can than to pay nothing. Because then at least the balance goes down from an interest and penalty standpoint. So let's go back to one of the first steps that you talked about, which is to figure out profitability. Yep. So let's say someone, you know, hopefully people were profitable and they're looking at some sort of, you know, let's just pick a number, $2,000, they were profitable for the year or something. I just, we can pick a number. Yep. So what can people do if, if they choose to lower their tax liability before the end of the year, if that's something they're interested in doing? So the the most obvious to me and the most versatile is to maximize your business expense deductions. So uh, there's one thing, it's a mindset shift though that comes with this. So here's the thing. There's your actual profit as a business owner, like your what we call your book profit. But then we go to your tax return. So you wanna tell very different stories sometimes. You're gonna tell a story with a very different perspective. You know how they, I think they actually wrote a book one day that was um, Little Red Riding Hood told from the perspective of the wolf and told from the perspective of Little Red Riding Hood, like the fairy tale oh, and then, wow. or the um, Three Little Pigs told from the other other perspective. They have written <laughs> fairy tales from the villain's perspective. And it's funny because I say there's two sides to every story. So what's interesting is when we talk about that with your numbers, 
I want you telling the happy ending in the books and I want you to tell the bad ending on the tax return because we want to make it look like you did terrible this year. You didn't make any money and that you're, you know, I'm at a loss and I spent all this money on this and I spent it on this. My business did not do well this year. Why? Because that means you pay less in taxes. Now, I'm not saying you want to be at a loss every year because there's issues with claiming loss after loss after loss in your business. But what I'm saying is you're painting a picture that will look slightly different because of the message you want to get across and the deductions that you can take advantage of legally within the tax code that allow you to lower your tax bill by showing a lower profit. So I want people to understand that there's a mindset shift there of your tax profit on your tax return is not your performance. It's not a grade on a report card. I, I don't like it when they overinterpret when I say, oh, you're at a net operating loss this year. Congratulations. They're like, what? I thought I made money. I thought I did well. Like, what do you mean? And I thought, oh, no, you were profitable in actuality. Like, you walked away with more money than when you came in. But on your tax return, we took advantage of some great tax credits and tax deductions that will help you lower that tax bill. So mm -hmm. there's a difference in the side of the story you're trying to present. We're not doing anything illegal. We're just showing it from a different lens and bringing in new rules to the game. We're playing a different game. So as far as tax deductions go, the most common thing that I tell people to do is maximize the expense deductions of what you spent during the course of the year that could be business expenses. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's being strategic though and thinking ahead. So if, if you're listening to this in the fall, for example, you still have time to implement certain things like, hey, um, are you getting Christmas gifts for people who are also client contacts? Are you mm -hmm. getting, um, are you booking any vacation where you can also attend a training seminar while you're out there, visit with clients or look at real estate for a new office? Are you planning on hosting a retreat or a board meeting for your board of advisors, even if it's just you, uh, in, in your home, there are tax strategies where you can use those different types of scenarios to work in your favor. And, but it's about planning ahead to quote unquote, write off your life, be able to write off things that are a mix of business and personal, but where you can take advantage of that from a tax standpoint, you know, vehicle, home office, things like that. Yeah. And, and that uh, I have found personally, those types of things are actually really great to talk to someone like Shannon, who is actually, you know, lives and breathes this stuff because, you know, uh, putting in the expense down of the gas it took for you to drive to a client's office and back is one thing, but looking into these other, you know, other ways of, of saving money essentially is stuff that you just may not even realize or know about totally legal, totally legit, but you just don't even realize. And so it's really important because it does make a huge difference, um, to be when these start, things start to add up. Um, one thing, Shannon, I do want to quickly clarify for people out there is we are, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but we're specifically referring to someone who is a solopreneur. They're not, they haven't like incorporated or anything like that because that's a different kind of conversation. Is that right? Uh, no, it, it applies to all of them, but it's just okay. a matter of what form you're writing it on. It's, it's nuanced, okay. but like everyone who runs a business can take advantage of business expense deductions to lower their tax bill in one way or another. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the specifics of what they can take advantage of may are going to differ. It's kind of what I was more yeah, kind of getting at. That will differ based on the type of business you run. So for example, right. I, I do a couple of things. I actually do, um, fitness instruction. I teach fitness classes on the side as well. Mm. So, you know, for example, I can deduct certain expenses for my gym equipment, which is lovely because I make money teaching fitness, but the average accountant can't do that because how would you argue right. that there's a business purpose to that gym equipment? Um, I mean, you can make an argument. My, my favorite arguments was uh, a fitness instructor who I worked with as a client handed me a stack of Dunkin' Donuts receipts and I was like, what is this? And she goes, well, I teach at 5 a.m. I need coffee every day to teach at 5 a.m. This is necessary. And I'm like, well, I agree with you as a Bostonian. <laughs> <laughs> while I agree, Duncan, like, yeah, that's, that's kind of essential. Um, while I agree with you, I don't think the IRS will. So it's tricky. You have to, it has to be yeah. ordinary and necessary for the business you are in. So even though someone can deduct their, possibly their Netflix subscription, right? What if they're like a, a film producer and they're researching? Mm -hmm. 
right? There, there could be something there where they could legitimately deduct that. But for the average, you know, if you're a copywriter, maybe not, you know, it, it's a little bit different. So you have to understand what is specific to your industry that you can deduct and what makes sense, what will actually pass the sniff test. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. What are some other ways that people can really keep what they earn and going back to kind of what we're talking about, avoid expensive mistakes, especially again, talking about fall, winter at the end of the year. Um, Do you have any other tips there that people can be looking at? I mean, my top two are not doing the books all year, which we talked about, avoiding the estimated taxes, which usually comes as a surprise, which we talked about. Um, And I think it's also not getting help with this stuff. So I think that people try to DIY it and be the bookkeeper, um, which more power to you if you want to and if you're actually good at it. But there's a lot more to bookkeeping than people understand. And I think, you know, it comes down to reconciling your bank accounts, actually understanding a bit of accounting basics to run a QuickBooks company. Um, there are certain things that the, the lay person, quote unquote, doesn't understand about accounting with the debits and credits that I say, you really should get someone to professionally help you with this, even if it is quarterly bookkeeping or just checking in, being able to bounce questions because they're doing the books, but at the end of the year, they're not necessarily done correctly. They're not reconciled. They don't match the bank. Um, it, it's really important to have the right help to, uh, to get do that correctly. And that will make uh, tax season way more seamless if you have help during the year. That's what we actually preach. Like if you've been doing your own books on a spreadsheet or on paper uh, and you come to us, they say, I'm sorry, but we have to have it professionally done in order to do your taxes. That's just a bare minimum requirement for us. Otherwise, okay. it will cost a lot to go through bank statements and to reconcile and it's a lot of extra effort and work. And I see Beth's nodding like, yeah, and that actually triggered another one. If you don't buy now in your business, have a separate business bank account, hit pause and go do that. Yeah. <laughs> that would be my number one. We literally have an entire podcast episode dedicated to the there importance of and how to make that. Ha- I think it was one of our very early ones. Beth's like, we need to talk about this ASAP. Yes. Um, yes. That's like, that is like step reached. one in my, I have an online course for new business owners and oh, chapter cool. one is business structure to optimize and business. And number two is get your bank account. And after that, it's, it's all the tax strategies, tax deductions, coaching on all that stuff. But I'm like, no, 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 you gotta, go, you gotta do these things first. And we call it financial foundations for that reason. Like, no, 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 lay the bricks. Then we can decorate the living room. Like we got, we got to, we got to create the the structure, literally the structure of the business. We need to put in all the concrete blocks. We need to make sure that everything's reinforced. We need to build the walls. We need to build the roof. And now we can go pick out furniture. Like mm-hmm. now you have a floor, you can pick out the furniture. That's the fun part, but you have to yeah. get everything built first. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So great. I, and I just going back to your point of getting expert help, you know, this is definitely something that I, we talk about a lot as well, just, and, and a lot of times we compare it to, you know, getting your car maintained. Like it's just sort of, um, a cost of doing business that is well, well, well worth it. It's like when you grow up and you realize, you know what, it's actually really worth it to pay movers to move all of our crap. (laughs) Then I saw this meme that was like, at this age, your friends, like their backs can't handle coming over and helping you move for a couple slices of pizza and a Bud Light. Okay, it's time. Like hire the movers, pay the money, and it's going to be money well, 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 well spent. And yes. that's how I, I picture working with a CPA or an accountant or a bookkeeper. It's like, you know, when you go into business for yourself and if you're even out there considering it, just build this in to your expenses, something that you need to pay for um, to at least learn the basics and then to hand it off at some point and then to work with a professional come tax season. Because it's going to save you not only dollars, but also just time and energy and heart heartbreak, you know, and frustration and, and confusion and all yeah. those things. Yeah. And, That's yeah. worth something. And, and a common <laughs> misconception is people, on, people are probably listening thinking, that must be nice, but I can't afford that person when I'm early on. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. You may not be able to, quote unquote, afford a CPA end to end to do all the things, to be like your personal CPA. And you don't need that. When you're first starting out, you need a really good bookkeeper. And you can hire a bookkeeper, another freelancer, 
right? So like a fellow listener of this podcast is running a bookkeeping practice, you know, and mm -hmm. you can support each other. Maybe you can even barter services, right? So mm -hmm. understand that there are options for you where if you're just starting out, you can layer this in. So just start with a really good bookkeeper, collect the data, collect the data in a consistent and clear way, because then you're going to layer on, okay, now I'm going to hire someone to do my taxes, but the bookkeeping's solid. So this tax preparer is not going to charge me as much. That's good. Mm -hmm. So then now I can hire... If I needed to, I could hire someone later that's, you know, a broader accountant or a CFO that can do mm -hmm. a lot of this end-to-end -end stuff for me under one roof. But you can just hire the specialists until you hit that point where you just have that one dedicated person or dedicated firm or company doing a lot of it for you. Yeah, I love that. That's that's great advice. Okay, so do you have any other little tips here um, that you want to share with our listeners about just avoiding costly mistakes throughout the year and getting prepared for year end? Yeah, the last one I'll say is optimize your business entity. So if you're a sole proprietor, mm. uh, single member LLC, look into the C-Corp or S-Corp as you grow. Uh, don't, don't sleep on your entity. Like, Keep in mind, what should I be doing to reestablish or re-decide re every year, reevaluate what should I be? Um, because you can change business entities. So if you're growing on an upward trajectory, look into the corporation tax elections because now you might be at a level where that's going to save you thousands. The last client, I just did an S-Corp election and it saved the client over $50,000 a year in taxes, oh. not in deductions, in wow. taxes. So there are huge opportunities that... Uh, my clients and, and or entrepreneurs are missing out on if they don't know the, the different loopholes or the different ways that they can take advantage of these things. And that's part of what a value of an accountant does for you is makes you aware that, hey, there's this strategy that I think you can implement and it will save you money. What I wish is y'all actually saw a check because then it would feel real. But <laughs> yeah. if I tell you I saved you $50,000, it just means you would have paid $50,000 more, but you never experienced that so you didn't really feel a difference, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. when I say how much we're gonna save, it's funny because it's like I avoided you paying this much versus we paid it and you got it back, which right. kind of, it hits different. But I, I yeah. do wish that my clients just got a check for that amount because it would make them feel like it was really real. <laughs> you should get them one of those like big fake checks. I know, I should, yeah, I should do that. I should send that to them like after their tax plans and be like, congratulations, you saved this much money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I want to, so I, you know, here I am sitting with two very experienced, um, financial people, wonderful people, and that's not my background at all. And I just want to throw out there to people listening who share that with me of, you know, I'm smart, I'm competent, I'm really good at what I do. And when I went out on my own, this was an area that I was like, okay, I'm going to start fresh books. I'm going to get my own account, listen to my dad. You know, he runs his own business and told me some things. And, but I still, and even to this day, really felt very intimidated by all of this. And when someone's like, oh, you should, maybe you should think of becoming an S corp or a C corp. And I'm like, what? Like a, a corporation, but I'm just me like that does, that's too much or whatever. And what I've learned along the way is that it's, it's actually really empowering to start learning this and to actually just go through the discomfort of it all to be like, oh God, I'm on the IRS website. This is so confusing. What does it say? Why does it say it? You know, and, um, but, but to keep figuring it out, keep pushing because at some point stuff starts to click and you start to understand. And now you can start to speak a little bit more intelligently about things and you can start to be watching things throughout the year. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you're feeling really empowered about how your finances are being handled and you're setting aside money for that accountant, for that bookkeeper, for that CPA, because you know how valuable it's gonna be. And then what I like to do is just ask a million questions. Like I will come and sit down with Beth or with our tax person and say, I have a list of questions I just need to run through and ask you. And I use that time as an opportunity to just learn more and, and build that confidence and not be intimidated by it. So anybody listening who's feeling intimidated, I really want to just say that to you. Just get in there and start learning it and be uncomfortable. And before you know it, you're going to get better and better and better. And 
and then you're going to be a really savvy businesswoman and be able to keep up, you know, at some Absolutely. point. I'm still working on that. Absolutely. And and um, I, I like to say when they say I'm not a numbers person, I don't like anything that starts with I am. I don't like to associate identity with what you know or what you don't know about numbers. Like I understand that we were not taught this in school, most of us. Um, and that's part of the design of the system, which is a whole nother <laughs> discussion. But yeah, um, don't yeah, get us started on that one either. Get us started on that. I know. We're, we're, we're kind of cleaning up that damage now. Exactly. Especially, <laughs> you know, especially for certain communities too. So it's, it's also, mm-hmm. it, we're, we're trying to defy some norms here by learning about it. So you have to understand that it's hard to get this information and those who have it are willing to share it. And all you have to do is ask questions and there's no stupid questions unless you don't ask them. And this is the thing. Mm. That's why find an accountant that has a heart of a teacher, because if you approach it that way and say, come mentor me, teach me, advise me, coach me, it's a very different relationship than what you're probably used to from the, sorry, but the boomer generation and beyond of, you know, I go to this accountant like it's a dentist appointment every year in April and the guy just tells me what I owe and I sign a check and that's the extent of our relationship and I leave the papers right. at the front desk and don't even see the person. Like, right. I always vowed I would never operate a company like that. And I go, no, they're going to get time with me. Mine is, it's completely virtual and it's it's very hands-on. Like, you can text me, call me with questions. There's There's no barriers there. And that's what you have to realize is what do you value in that professional? And that person is out there for you. You don't have to settle Mm -hmm. for your dad's guy, your uncle, your friend, the the guy down the street. You don't have to (laughs) go with them just out of convenience and proximity. Yeah. And I think too, that it's, um, it makes you feel better about the money you're investing in this person. They're not just doing a service for you. Think of it like you're taking a little class from them. You're getting a little coaching, a little training from them. So yeah, you're getting your taxes done. You're saving money and you're doing all the things you need to be doing to run a legitimate business, but you're also learning and you're, and that knowledge, that firsthand knowledge, not just learning a concept in a textbook, but understanding your business in context is also just invaluable. So, you know, if you can approach it from that mindset, it's a lot more palatable, you know, for some people that, oh God, I'm going to spend like $300 $300 on like an hour of this person's time. It's like, well, better make it freaking worth it, huh? Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and those of us who do kind of speak numbers also really appreciate people who come with curiosity and want to learn more because we can teach mm-hmm. them more if they'll be willing to listen and, and pay attention. So um, I find that to be a lot of fun, especially that light bulb moment where somebody is like, oh, that's what revenue is? Oh. You know, it's like you hear these words, you know, and we make it sound scary in our in our culture, you know, ooh, my my loss, my profit, whatever. And it's like if you just explain it to them, it's like a real simple arithmetic thing. And they're like, really? Wow. Okay. (laughs) I love it. Well, let's start to wrap up here, Shannon. I want to hear um, all about your business, what you offer, where people can find you, how they can jump in and get involved, all those types of things. Yeah, so as far as social media, I'm the most active on Instagram. You can follow me at Shannon K. Weinstein on there. I post tips daily. Um, I'm getting to be a big fan of Reels. So mm-hmm. <laughs> those are They're fun. really fun to watch. Go watch them. <laughs> They're fun. <laughs> Let's see. So there's that. And then my website, which is www.fitnancialsolutions.com. That has all the information about actually working with us, either hiring us to do your stuff monthly or as a coach. You can always reach out to me though too if you have unique needs beyond those services. We can try to figure out at least a way to help you or to point you in the right direction through our network of other professionals that we work with. And um, yeah, and one of my favorite ways that you can ask me questions, so if you have questions from this podcast, is you can actually text me. So I have a, it's actually to me, I have a unique text line specifically so you guys can ask me questions, not just clients, just anybody. And um, I'm going to make sure you guys have that phone number in the show notes. Uh, But it's 860-609-6374. So you can add me to your contacts and actually chat with me. Did you try and get like 800 Fitnancial? No. Well, that wouldn't fit. But no, 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 no. (laughs) 
I love it. Yeah. yeah, well, definitely. What a great service and how cool of you to offer something like that. That's that's really nice. Um, two other things that you offer, right? You have a course and yes. a podcast. Tell us about those. Yeah, so Financial Foundations is my online course. So that is available through the website. You can just purchase it. It's a self-study. Uh, you also get it if you work with me for coaching. And okay. it really walks you through and it has other industry experts. We have a lawyer, we have a sales expert, we have a bookkeeper. So they get to talk about their unique lens through which they see your business and what you need for expertise. We also have a series of master classes I've done on different topics based on frequently asked questions from entrepreneurs just like you. So how okay. do I pay myself? What type of business structure makes sense for me? And this is a live masterclass with people asking real questions. So you can actually cool. see yourself in those answers. So that's all available to you through the website. Um, so you can purchase that course. And then uh, I also have a podcast called Keep What You Earn. So that is my, that is my podcast. Um, I have guests come on, I have clients come on, and we just talk about different ways, just like today, that we can empower ourselves through our numbers, make better decisions, and avoid those expensive mistakes, right? Awesome. awesome. That is so, you've built quite the empire, Shannon. I love it. <laughs> that's great. Uh, that's goals really for cool. us. And all since 2019, right? So just in the last, you know, two years or so. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. That's well, great. And, and to make you feel better, anyone who's listening out there, I was stitching together MailChimp landing pages and a Dropbox link and all that stuff for like a whole year. So I earned my keep with, I, I duct taped and hot glued a business together for a solid year before I even had a website or anything. So this is just the byproduct of a lot of goals and milestones that, I was chasing and saying, when I hit this, I'm going to get a website. When I hit this, I'm going to sign up for this. So uh, definitely have those goals. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Beth, any closing words or questions before we wrap up here? Well, thank you so much, uh, Shannon, for being here. And uh, I think it's very it'll be very useful for our listeners to check out some of those links. That It sounds like you're offering some great Great, great, great resources. And thank you for doing that because that makes all of our job easier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> all right. Well, don't forget to check out the show notes to see where you can find Shannon. Definitely follow her on Instagram, Shannon K. Weinstein, right? Correct. Yep. Um, super fun to follow. And she just has such a fun personality. Even when you go to her website, you get a great vibe. And um, yeah, I love that. So check her out there and, and let's definitely text her some questions. I'm excited to do that. See what happens. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us, Shannon. We appreciate thanks, it. Shannon. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Kenza Collective to stay in touch. And if you have a moment, please drop a review for this podcast so that we can reach more parents and help them create a life and a living that actually works for their families. Have a great day.